Whether your background is secular or religious, moral or immoral, pagan or pharisaical, you know, if you come to the point where you receive Christ as your Savior and Lord, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. You believe truth about him and you receive him personally and you become his child. When you're born again, as you receive him, you become his child and it says who were born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. When you put your faith in Christ, you're actually born of God and you can say, Dad. You can say, Abba. And so he said, when you pray, pray this way, our Father. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Our Father. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. We want to hear from the Lord Jesus on this matter of prayer. And uh, as Christians, if you've come to know Christ as your Savior, you instinctively want to say to God, Father. In fact, Romans chapter 8 says that we've not received a spirit of fear or a spirit that leads to fear. Again, a spirit of slavery and bondage and fear, but rather we've received a spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. I'm quoting Romans 8, verse 15 and 16. And so the Lord Jesus is going to teach us about prayer here. And uh, we, I think we instinctively want to learn. In fact, we instinctively if you're anything like me, you know you need to learn how to pray. The disciples, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And uh, I don't know how to pray as I should, but I can pray anyway. And that's what Romans 8 also says. We don't know how to pray as we should, but the Holy Spirit takes what we, you know, our baby talk, if you will, and he takes it right to the throne. Uh, Romans 8, 26 and 27. So uh, we want to listen to what the Lord says about prayer. I want to pick up the context. We've looked down through verse 8 in Matthew 6, and he's given two great warnings. Uh, one about Pharisaism, religiosity, for the sake of outward appearance, and two, paganism. Pharisaism and paganism, and in both cases, they distort prayer. In other words, um, Pharisaism distorts the purpose of prayer. When you pray, verse 5, listen to what he said, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues, and in the churches, and in the cathedrals, we could add, you know, in the religious places. They love to stand and pray, and on the street corners, in order to be seen by men. They're really communicating to man rather than to God. That's a distortion of the purpose of prayer. And then there's also paganism. And that is what I would say is you can't go anywhere on this world without running into religious people. But he was, in Phariseeism, he describes the, the, the distortion of true religion. They were Jews who should have known better, but they started to pray just to be seen and heard by others. But then paganism, he says, don't be like the Gentiles either. Verse 7, when you're praying, don't use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. Gentiles are non-Jews. And around the world, you'll find that everywhere you go, people have their gods, right? 
And the Romans and the world Jesus lived in, they had scads of gods. And they had scads of ways of praying. And they tended to think that they could be heard for their many words. And a lot of people still think these ways, by the way. There's people in Portland, maybe in this room, who pray to be heard by people or pray thinking if I log enough time, maybe God will answer as if you kind of earn favor with him by putting time in. And he said, don't, don't use uh, meaningless repetition, verse 7. When you pray, verse 8, remember who you're praying to. He said, therefore, don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then, verse 9, in this way. Now we come to perhaps the most familiar words in the Bible. If I said to you, I pledge allegiance to the, you, you could at least get that far, flag of the United, you know, we've learned certain things. And if I say our father, most people could say heart in heaven, you know, uh, but beware of meaningless repetition. So these are precious words our Lord gives us here, but it's not, um, it's not just, okay, memorize this and say it. He just said, no, be careful to not think that meaningless repetition. I know people who would maybe even call themselves Christians who talk about how many times they've prayed this prayer per day. And they'll even say, I said, 10 our fathers. And I say, ouch. <laughs> you know, that's not prayer, really. Now, let's look at it. Pray then in this way, he said, Jesus said, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, um, he said, pray this way. So it's our Lord's clear instruction. And I think we should use it as a pattern. And I think it's well and good to even recite it. Uh, but I hesitate to use the word recite. Uh, I would say perhaps just to shake our mind up a bit, to say it verbatim or to quote it. Because he said, pray this way. Okay. But it isn't valuable to just simply rattle it off. That's not what he's saying. And there are principles here for us to learn. So I want to do, uh, actually today and next Wednesday, if, if we gather, um, and I say if because the Bible said we should talk that way. If the Lord wills, we'll be here, okay? Uh, but I expect to be here. Uh, and so we're going to take two weeks to look at this uh, because there's a lot here, and it seems to me we want to learn the principles behind it. Pray in this way, and what's the first word then he says? Our Father. Can I be blunt? You have to be in the family to pray. Scott, are you saying people can't pray? No, I know they can pray. But 
you can't say father unless you've been born into God's family. And so a lot of people do a lot of praying without the first prerequisite, so to speak. He's talking to his children when he says here, pray this way, our father. Uh, Jesus, John said, when he came to the world, the world was made through him. The world didn't know him. I could say Portland, you know, just to put it that way. He made Portland. He made the Willamette. He made the Columbia. He made Mount Hood. Uh, he allowed us to build these buildings. Uh, he came to this planet. He came to this world. The world was made through him. The world didn't know him. By, by and large, most people don't know him. But he came to his own, the next verse says. He came to Israel, his own people. And his own did not receive him. The nation Israel said to the Roman governor, crucify him. That's tragic. That's where the Gospel of John starts. But the next verse is what I'm after. There's the secularists that don't know him. There's the religionists that don't receive him. But, verse 12 of John 1, as many as received him, whether your background is secular or religious, moral or immoral, pagan or pharisaical, you know, if you come to the point where you receive Christ as your Savior and Lord, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. You believe truth about him and you receive him personally and you become his child. Well, when you became a child the first time, it was through <laughs> birth. <laughs> well, when you're born again... Uh, I'm quoting verse by verse out of John 1. As you receive him, you become his child. And it says, who were born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. When you put your faith in Christ, you're actually born of God. And you can say, Dad. You can say, Abba. And so he said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father. You know, I think that's my favorite way. To pray. People sometimes ask me, Scott, can I pray to Jesus? And I say, sure. Can I pray to the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Uh, God isn't jealous. The triune God is one. Can I pray to Almighty God? Yes. But I've been in settings where the formality almost blows away the communication. Almighty God, we beseech you. You know, now that might be genuine. And we should sometimes remind ourselves that he is almighty. In fact, he's going to here. But still, you can just say, Father, if you know him through faith in Christ. Somebody says to me, though, hey, Scott, doesn't, doesn't the Bible say you're all children of God? We're all sons of God? No, it doesn't. It does. Turn over to Galatians if you know uh, where that is. It's back toward the back of the New Testament. Galatians 3. And it says that, but it's, it, that's a partial quote, okay? Galatians 3, 26. You are all sons of God. So it does say that. You are all sons of God. But it didn't, that's not where it ends. Read the rest of the sentence. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. If your faith isn't in Christ Jesus... You're actually called a child of wrath. 
a child of disobedience. Jesus looked at the religionists of his day and he said, you're of your father, the devil. <laughs> that was the gentle Jesus speaking. Now, we, need, we were born wrong. We need to be born again and become a child of God. And uh, the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom, Proverbs 28, verse 9 says, He who turns away his ear from listening to the law, even his prayer is an abomination. If you won't listen to God's word, if you'll say, I want to come to God any way I want. I don't have to come in Jesus' name. I don't have to be born again. I just can pray. He'll accept me. The scripture says that kind of prayer, that kind of approach to God is an abomination. You see, if, if God could be approached your way, my way, then he wouldn't have, and I speak reverently, he wouldn't have sent his son to a cross that we're going to think about this Friday. If there were any other way to approach God, then he would have surely said, yeah, Get on your knees and crawl to Mecca over and over till they're bloody. That'll do it. No. No, the only way we could be saved was his only begotten son had to die. And Galatians 2.21 actually says that. If righteousness came through the law, through the Ten Commandments, through keeping God's law, if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Galatians 2.21, but he didn't die needlessly. He died because that's the only way we can approach him. So when you pray, say, our Father, what's the next phrase? Who art in heaven. By the way, my Bible, and most of the way we learn these, uh, my Bible, just out of reverence, the English translators keep the old language when, when there's prayer. So that's why you'll hear that, you know, Thy, thou, art, in a prayer in the Bible sometimes when you don't. It really was no difference in the language, but I appreciate it to some extent. I, sometimes it bothers me a little bit because it almost clutters up my understanding of it. But regardless, he's saying, you know, Father who, who lives in heaven instead of who art in heaven, okay? What kind of father do we have? A heavenly father. He lives in heaven, I don't know about your earthly father, but I do know if your faith is in Christ, you've got a perfect heavenly father. Some of us had real crummy earthly fathers. Others of us were blessed with real good earthly fathers. Most of us, we'd say it's a little bit of a mixed bag. But you might have had real poor relationship with your dad and I'll tell you this, if you've put your faith in Christ, you have, a new, you have a new father, a heavenly father. And I believe that rather than going back, and it's popular in our day to say, we got to go back and dig into that problem that your, your dad created with you the way, even if he was abusive, I would say that my great need is not to go back and exercise those memories, but rather to get to know my new father my heavenly father, and bask in his care for me. And uh, so enjoy. Jesus said, when you pray, remind yourself that uh, you have a heavenly father. Fill your mind, fill your heart with the real knowledge of a heavenly father. And then notice, before he even gets into petitions, he, uh, he, he reminds himself, I should say, he says, when you guys pray, because we call this the Lord's Prayer, don't we? But he never prayed this. 
He said, when you pray, pray this way. If you want to know the Lord's Prayer, go over to John 17. That's where we have a whole chapter where Jesus prayed to his Father. Now, there's no contradiction there. I mean, the same principles apply. But Jesus, because he had that communion with his Father, he wouldn't pray this prayer, would he? Forgive us our debts. He didn't have any debts. Forgive us our sins. He, he, you'll never find him praying <coughs> Excuse me, in the Bible with others because he couldn't enter. I prayed with a group of men. I told you we had a, a great time this morning around a, a table early this morning. Uh, and a bunch of men studying Ephesians together. And we were gathered like this at tables. And uh, we had a great time of prayer. And I can, enter, I can just enter right into the prayer with the other men. Because if one of them says, Lord, we need your forgiveness, I can just sit there and say, yes, we do. You know? And if they, but Jesus wouldn't pray that prayer. He didn't need any forgiveness. So this is, I should have said that really at the outset, but I'll just say it right now. This probably should not be called the Lord's Prayer, but rather the disciples' prayer. He said, when you guys pray, here's how to pray. That's just a, a sidelight, but I will say this. Uh, when you pray, it's good. Before you start saying, Lord, I need this, I need that, before you start asking, you notice Jesus starts by saying, hallowed be your name. You live in heaven. You're our Father. He said, pray that way. Remind yourself of who he is. I read in the Bible when Daniel prayed in a time of real crisis. Listen to what he said. Instead of just saying, you know, jumping right in and giving the Lord his needs. He did that. Don't get me wrong. We can pour out our hearts to him. But here's what Daniel said in a time of real crisis. I'm reading from Daniel 9, verse 4. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed and said, Alas, O Lord, the great an awesome God who keeps his covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. He starts by saying, you're the faithful one. You're the great and awesome one. You keep your word. That's a good way to pray in times of trouble. When David came in 1 Chronicles, listen to this one. I'm just giving you three examples from the Old Testament. When David came, and he couldn't build the temple, but he gathered all the building materials. And God said, I want your son to build it, because you've been a man of bloodshed and warfare. But, so he, would, he was able to get, and the whole nation gave very generously. And they brought this huge offering, and it was a huge day of thanksgiving that they were going to be able to build the temple. Listen to how he starts his prayer. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And King David said, Blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that's in the heavens and the earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord. And you exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you. And you rule over all. And in your hand is power and might. And it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you. And praise your glorious name. That's, that's quite an introduction. And I like it. It's good for me when I pray to not just start right in with, Lord, I need your help here. I need this. I need, I'm short on money over here, blah, blah, blah. But just start 
talking and praising. Praise precedes petition so often. And that's what you have in Jesus' prayer here. You'll see it in the New Testament. I, I will edit myself. I was going to go to a prayer in Ephesians to show it in the New Testament, but I'll let you look it up because we're going to run out of time if I do. So anyway, I'll get back to it here, and we'll look at the next phrase. Uh, Hallowed be your name. You don't hear that word every day, do you? Hallowed. Holy. You're on hallowed ground. Sacred ground. Holy. And uh, it is good. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When you come into God's presence, you're coming into the Holy One's presence. Hallowed be your name. We, uh, we can't make it any more holy. He's not saying, I'd like to make it more holy. He's recognizing that it is holy. And uh, we can't add to God's infinite glory when we talk about glorifying God. But what we can do is reflect that glory so that people hear us pray, see us live. We want to glorify God. And what that means is to magnify him. We want to help people see who he really is. And so he says, hallowed be your name. By the way, his name is his very essence. In the Bible, names were important. Um, The name of God, it was so important that the Israelis, the the Jewish nation, they wouldn't even pronounce it. (laughs) They, They didn't want to use it slanderously or blasphemously, lightly, in vain. And I find that that's, uh, I think that's carrying it too far. We're, we're to celebrate his name. We're to use his name in the proper way. But I wish that we who call ourselves Christians had a little more reverence for his name. I hear Christians be pretty casual sometimes with the name of the Lord. And uh, Jesus said, hallowed be your name. Peter stood up in Jerusalem after the Lord rose and he said, there's salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The name of Jesus. Paul wrote in Philippians that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm, uh, as I said, in a group of men studying Ephesians And in Ephesians, it says he gave him the name, Jesus, above every other name, not only in this age, but in the one to come. You've been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Our Father a message from our study of the Gospel of Matthew. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to abideintheword.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We have a new app available called the Abide app. It's available in both the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. 
Along with the sermon library, you'll also find Scott's written publications, biblical seminars on a variety of subjects, daily devotional videos, this radio program, and the Abide Method, a monthly Bible reading and writing plan developed by Scott to give you the opportunity to read and write out Scripture. These resources all come free within the app, so if you're looking to deepen your relationship with Christ, please consider downloading the Abide app in either the Apple or Google App Stores. We'd love to get this valuable resource into your hands. Did you know Abide in the Word is available every day on Facebook? Well, right along with our daily podcast on iTunes and Google Play, our daily messages are posted to Facebook as well. You can find them at facebook.com slash abide in the word. We'd like to remind you that Abide in the Word only remains on this station through the generous contributions of listeners like you. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with us in this Bible teaching ministry? We'd love to have you join us. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. Being a Christian doesn't mean that we don't sin. It means that we're forgiven, and we should thank him for that forgiveness and acknowledge our sin. So when you snap at your wife or grumble against your boss at work or deceive someone you're talking to, whatever it is, if you're a believer in Christ, the Holy Spirit says to you, that was wrong. You shouldn't have done that. And he's using his word often to teach us that these things are sin. Confession is to agree with him. You're right. It was. It is. Thank you for dying for that sin. We're prone to say, well, I didn't really mean it that way. Or, you know, make excuses for what he's putting his finger on. Say the same thing. Confess your sin. Join us again next time as we continue our study of Matthew's Gospel. Pastor Scott will bring a message titled, Jesus Said, Pray. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.